All right, let's give our attention to God's word in these uh, various Proverbs. Uh, We're starting in Proverbs 3, verses 9 through 10. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. 10, chapter 10, verse 2. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. 11, 4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. 11.15 Whoever puts up security for a stranger will surely suffer harm, but he who hates striking hands and pledge is secure. 11.28 Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. 13.8 The ransom of a man's life is his wealth. But a poor man hears no threat. 13.11 Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. 14.21 Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. 16.8 Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. 18.10-11 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. 1917. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. 21.6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. 21.20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. 22.7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. 23.4 and 5. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. 24.27. Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. 28.20 A faithful man will abound with with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. And lastly, 37-9 Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. The Bible says that all men are like grass, and all man's glory is like the flower of the field. And the grass withers and flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us before we look at it further tonight. Heavenly Father, we do pray and ask you, uh, we know you to be the author of these words, and so we ask now that you would be the teacher and the applier of these words. Uh, By your Holy Spirit, you would be here and, and do work, that you would work in our hearts, that you would open up our ears so that we might hear uh, what you would have us to from your word. Father, we need to hear from you. So would you grant that? And we ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So last week, if you were with us, you know we talked about uh, the wisdom in work, the things that we do. And we opened by talking about how uh, when you meet somebody for the first time, one of the most common questions that you very well might ask them is, uh, so what do you do? Or, you know, in college, maybe what's your major? And, uh, you know, nobody really thinks twice if you ask them that. Uh, that's not, it's not a particularly personal question. So what do you do? Um, but how often do you ask somebody how much money they make? Probably not very often, right? Uh, you, you can pretty quickly plunge a conversation into just deep awkwardness if you ask somebody how much money they make. Um, you know, you could imagine if I imagine this conversation, you know, I meet somebody. All right. So it's uh, it's Bill, right? He says, yeah. Um, you know, great to meet you. Are you new to town? And Bill says, yep, we just moved here two weeks ago. And I said, oh, wow, two weeks. That's that's very new. So what brought you to town? And he says, um, my job brought me here. I got uh, found a better opportunity and uh, and we decided to take it. Well, what line of work are you in? And he says, well, I'm a, I'm a physician, ear, nose, and throat doctor. I said, oh, wow, ear, nose, and throat doctor, very cool. So what, what's an ENT pull in these days? How much, how much money are you making? Right? That's not going to go over well. Um, that's one of those record-scratching, awkward moments. Bill and I are probably not going to go on to be friends. And we all know that would be awkward because the subject of money uh, is one that's very personal to us. Um, it's personal to us because money's a really big deal. And if you think about it, money or wealth is it's how we it's how we exercise influence in the world in many ways. Um, it's not the only way, but it's a big one. Money can make a lot of things happen. It can do a lot of things. It evidently, and of course, can't buy you love, of course, but. Um, But it's easy to see how it can be such a personal and yet very significant issue. And the Bible recognizes that and it talks about money a lot. The subject of money and wealth comes up a ton in the Bible. And so this semester, you know, we're studying through Proverbs and our theme is a life of wisdom because that's what Proverbs is all about. It's a book about and a book filled with wisdom. And we've said that wisdom is To put it very bluntly, wisdom is skill in living. Being able to live well. To live along, uh, to cut along the grain of the universe, so to speak. And so tonight, we're going to look at what the Proverbs, uh, the wisdom that they have to offer about money. About our our wealth. Um, And so before we dive in, I want to say that this is not everything that the Bible says about money. Right, we, don't, we don't have time to that. We don't even really have time to get into everything that Proverbs says about money. Um, but I want you to keep that in mind. So we're going to look at this in three ways tonight, uh, or three, three points. First, we're going to look at wisdom in acquiring money. Secondly, we'll look at wisdom in using money. Thirdly and finally, we'll look at wisdom in how we think about money. All right, so first, wisdom in acquiring money. Proverbs doesn't really come out and tell us how to make a bunch of money, um, but it does have a good bit of wisdom to offer in that area. And I want to point out a couple of things to you. One of them uh, that I, one of the things I want you to see is that it gives us the wisdom that money that's gotten by some sort of illegitimate means 
generally is not going to last. Look at uh, 10 verse 2. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. 16.8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. 21.6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. So what we see is that part of the the very fabric of the universe, the way God has built things, uh, is that that money or profit that comes from breaking his law is going to it's going to tend to disappear. Generally speaking, it's not going to really be of a benefit in the long run to those that get them. Now look, sure, they're going to be there are going to be people that make money doing wrong things. Right? We say it all the time that the Proverbs are not, um, they're not promises. It's giving us the way the world generally works. Um, but generally speaking, getting money like that is, it's not going to go well. There are going to at least be earthly consequences, right? Uh, you're going to tend to be found out. Uh, you think about sort of the big cases uh, like Bernie Madoff, right? The Ponzi scheme guy. Um, companies like Enron. Um, I read recently in the news that the Nigerian prince email, you know those where you get the email, it's like um, a Nigerian prince and you know, if you send me $10,000, then I'll give you like a trillion dollars. And you know, uh, He just, uh, at least one of the guy that was running that scam just got arrested. They tracked him down somehow. Um, yeah, so those, those sorts of things are going to tend to come crashing down. It's not going to go well. So for us, what does that mean? Well, I mean, there's certainly there are obvious applications to that that we probably don't even have to hash out. But for, for you as students, um, right, I think it's important for us to keep in mind that all of that kind of stuff, acquiring wealth in that way, it's got to start somewhere. And it probably starts pretty small. And so... Maybe it'd be worth thinking about. I think it might in some ways apply to how do you acquire your grades? I think it would be fair to say that grades acquired illegitimately are are not going to tend to last. Wisdom would say that it should be on the up and up. Right? And then, of course, in our jobs, right? It's wise to be honest about the hours that you worked on your time card. Um, to tell the truth about the product that you're selling or the service that you're providing. To be honest about that. Um, to be honest and deal faithfully uh, if you deal with people's money. To, to do it rightly. Um, another thing that we see throughout the Proverbs about, how, about acquiring money, uh, we see that it's not wise to pursue fast money. Look at 2820. Uh, a faithful man will abound with blessings. But whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Uh, Generally speaking, God has designed the universe so that money, it doesn't tend to come in quickly and easily. Generally speaking, that's not the way it works. Um, So what does that mean for us? It means that if something looks too good to be true, it probably is. Right? Um, Get rich quick schemes are not a good idea. It's not wise. Um, then, yeah, don't respond to the Nigerian prince email. I probably don't have to tell you that one. 
But right, the ads that tell you that you can earn $10,000 a week by just sitting at your desk and doing whatever, right? Those things are probably not, they're probably not wise. If you, you know, if you think about it, if you look at the history of people that win the lottery, this is not me saying that lottery is inherently wrong, but the, the, the stats about people that win the lottery are pretty astounding, right? I'm sure you know that. It, the fortune doesn't tend to stick around. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Um, I think we could say the same thing about gambling. It's not the wisest way to acquire wealth. Um, oh, yeah, you think about the housing bubble, right? You remember what, gosh, now it's almost 10 years ago, but the, uh, the housing bubble where people were, um, people made tons of money, right, making bad mortgages. People made money hand over fist, and what happened? The bubble popped, and it all came crashing down. It didn't last. Uh, Another thought uh, that we see in the Proverbs about um, acquiring money, it uh, it tells us to be careful about acquiring money by taking on debt. I think this one's very applicable. Look at 22.7. It says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. The borrower is the slave of the lender. Now look, that's not to say that debt is inherently wrong. I don't think that's a a fair statement at all from the Bible. But I think this is cautioning us, right? It's basically saying if if you owe someone money, it's, it's almost like they own you, right? And so we need to be very careful. We need to apply wisdom when it comes to borrowing money, taking on debt. Um, You know, it might be necessary for school or to buy a house, or to buy a car. But things like credit card debt can be very dangerous. And we've got to be careful about that. Uh, last thought along these lines. Uh, Proverbs basically shows us, so those are ways not to, to acquire money, so what about how should we acquire money? Uh, look at 13.11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. We just talked about that. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. There's a lot to be said, a lot of wisdom in steady, patient, earning and saving of money. Generally speaking, that's what it looks like. Sure, sometimes money comes in quickly. Um, you get an inheritance, you know, the, the company you're invested in does really well, something like that. But generally speaking, it's by slow and steady, patient, earning and saving. So that's a little bit of wisdom in, in, in acquiring money. Let's take a look at what Proverbs says about how to use money. How to use the wealth or the money that we have. We see a few ideas. Uh, first, let's look at 3, 9 through 10. This is kind of the main idea, the overarching idea. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your, and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Right? That's the big, this is the big idea, that being wise with money, first and foremost, um, looks like recognizing that that money comes from God. That really, uh, we're just stewards of it. That it's not ours. That He's given whatever money we have, He's given it to us, and that its ultimate use is for the sake of His kingdom. And I understand that providing for your own needs is is 
very much a part of that. But that first and foremost, it looks like honoring God, honoring the Lord with our money and our wealth. And particularly what seems to be in view here uh, in, this, in this proverb uh, is giving a portion of it back to him. Right? In the Old Testament, we see that God asked his people to bring, in, to bring sacrifices um, and offerings of the first fruits. The first, what are the first fruits? It's the first portion of the harvest. You're going to you know, sow crops and bring in a bunch. And that first portion was, uh, the idea was that that was dedicated to God. It was in recognition that all of it comes from him. That it's a gift. And the concept of the tithe is very similar. God basically asked for 10% of what his people uh, took in of their income. And that money was used to support the work of the kingdom. But no, and notice what the consequence of that um, honoring the, the Lord with your wealth. Look what the consequence is. It's that you will have plenty. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And then your barns will be filled with plenty. And look again. These aren't promises, right? As they're often twisted to be. This is not the uh, prosperity gospel. If you do this, you'll make a million dollars. No, that's not what this is saying. But generally speaking, the way God has designed the world to work is that those that honor the Lord with their wealth, generally speaking, tend to, tend to have what they need. God tends to honor that and bless them with having plenty. So what does that look like for us? Um, well, you've probably heard all about, uh, you know, plenty about the tithe and, and the fact that there's no New Testament command uh, uh, for the tithe to give 10%. And that's true. But the New Testament does call uh, believers to give cheerfully in response to the grace that they've received. And so I think that means that if, if you're a believer, the if you're going to deal wisely with your money, I think it means that you're going, you're going to give to your, you're going to give back to your local church. You're going to give primarily to the, to where you're fed and where you're shepherded to your church. And I think that's something that you can even begin as a college student. I think that's, I think the Bible would hold that up as, as wisdom and money. Uh, Another thought. Secondly, Proverbs says that dealing wisely with money means giving it to the poor. Look at uh, 1421. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. And in 1917, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. Look, all throughout the Bible you see that God has this unique care for the poor, for the outcasts, for those that can't take care of themselves. And God has, again, built it into the, to the way the world works. Uh, that, that, those who, that those who give to the poor, uh, in a sense, see a benefit from that. He tends to, to bless and honor that. Right? It says that God will repay you for your deed. Um, yeah, it's actually wise use of money to give it away to people that need it. That's very counterintuitive to us. 
Um, let's look at one or two more real quick. Uh, another principle that we see here. Um, yeah, let's do this one. Uh, look at 2427. It says, prepare your work outside and get, and get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. All right, so what, what's this one all about, right? Um, I think the basic idea here is that your, your work outside was your job, right? Typically farming in this, you know, in this uh, day and age. Uh, so the idea seems to be that the proverb is saying, um, basically, look, if you're going to build a house... You need to make sure that you have your job in order first because it's going to require you know, money and resources. So in other words, the idea seems to be um, wise dealing with money means that you make a plan. That you don't just fly by the seat of your pants when it comes to money. Make sure you've got things in order and uh, yeah, make a plan. So what does that look like? Um, have a financial plan. Understand the terms... Understand the terms of the loan that you're taking out. Do the math and figure out. It's wise to do the math. How long is it going to take me to pay that back? What's that going to do to my finances if I do that? Make a budget. Make a budget. Most people don't do this. Plan on saving. Plan on retirement. Those sorts of things. Um, And then one more. Uh, I want to look at uh, 2120. It says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Uh, the person that's wise with their money or their resources uh, can, can save them, but the fool can't. So in other, in other words, it's... Um, if, if the... It's the act of the fool to have the money uh, burn a hole in your pocket, right? Or whatever resource it is that you, you just can't help but use it up. Um, there's wisdom in saving. Um, for us, what does it mean, right? It's there, there's, there's a time to say yes to, to spending that money, and then there's a time to, to not buy that next outfit or that, the next coolest gadget, right? There's a... There's wisdom to be, uh, to be had, and um, there's a time to upgrade the phone, and there's a time to wait. We need to be wise in how we use our money. All right, thirdly and finally, let's look at wisdom and how we think about money. So we've seen some more of the practical, uh, mundane aspects of how we deal with money. So uh, I want you to see what Proverbs says about just sort of in general how we think about and how we how we approach the concept of money. And look, as we begin this, I want to say this on the front end, that it's not wrong, because we're going to look at some uh, a passage or two and talks about the rich man. It's not wrong, it's not inherently wrong to be rich. Okay? Nowhere does the Bible say that it's wrong to be rich. Um, and when it talks about, when Proverbs talks about the rich man, it seems to have in mind that the person that is wealthy and does not honor God with that wealth. So keep that in mind. Um, All right, so how we think about money. Let's say this. I think that we could say that one of the main themes that we see as we survey Proverbs and really the whole Bible is this. It can be very tempting for us as people to think that money will satisfy us. 
but it just won't. Okay? It can be very tempting for you and I to think that money will satisfy us, either give us the safety, the protection, or just the, the enjoyment that will, that will make us okay, but it won't. Um, look at 18, 10, and 11. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. <clears throat> the righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall in his imagination. Right, you see what that's, right, the picture there. It's a person that pictures their money or their wealth acting like a, a, a high wall around them. That nothing, that they're okay because they have the money. Nothing can get in, uh, nothing bad can get to them. But did you notice, right, it's all in their imagination. And it's contrasted with, with the one that trusts that trusts that God is his security. Look at 13.8. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. The idea is that the, the rich man might get kidnapped for his, for his wealth, right? Have, have his money demanded from him. And so what you see is that the, the thing that seemed like it would be there to protect him it's actually the very thing that ends up getting him into harm's way. So in other words, money's not the protector that you think it is. And certainly, we can, it's got to be easy for us to identify with that kind of thinking, I would assume, if you're like me at least. It's so tempting for me, and I'm sure you're the same way, to think, if I just have enough, then everything's going to be fine. If I have enough money, then I'll be safe. Because I can live in the right neighborhood, I can get the right medical care, um, I will um, be able to send my kids to the right school, I'll be able to um, provide for my future, I won't have to say no to my kids, whatever it is, I'll be able to take care of it because I have money. I won't have to worry about paying off my loans, I won't have to worry about people thinking I'm a failure because I'll have money. But it won't work. Uh, look at 11.4 and then 28. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. It's basically saying that you can't take it with you. It won't save your soul. It won't last forever. Verse 28. Whoever trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. It, it just won't do it. But here's the question. Why will it not work? This, I think, is, uh, is fascinating. Look at 23, 4 through 5. It says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. All right, do you see what that's saying? It's saying that the reason, it won't, the reason wealth, money, won't really satisfy you is because as soon as you, whatever you set your hopes on, however much that is, as soon as you get it, it it's gone. Uh, in other words, um, as soon as you get it, you realize it's not enough. The, the, there's always more to be had. So if you say, like, if I just had $5,000... If I had five thousand more dollars, if I made, 
if I had $200 more a month, then I would be okay. Or then I would be able... But as, as soon as you get your hands on it, as soon as it's realized, you, what you realize is that there's actually now I just I want something else. And it just doesn't satisfy. We're never content. We, all, we always want more. All right, I'm going to give you what I think is a really good illustration that I think you're going to like. Story. It's a true story. Um, I had some friends that had this experience. Uh, they're basically my parents' age, so older friends. But All right, so, and I have to be sort of careful here to protect the innocent. But, um, so my friends had this experience. Uh, they, they themselves are, are quite wealthy. And they got invited to this um, function that was very elite. Like, very elite. Okay? Um, billionaire level. Literally. Billionaire level. Um, it was at a remote location. I mean, this is, a, this is an unbelievable... Like, we have, you and I have never been to anything like this. Um, I mean, there are famous people attending. There are famous people performing. And this is a fairly small private event. It's at a remote location. And the assumption is that all of the guests can bring their own plane. Right? You fly into this place. I'm telling you, it's like crazy. Um, so the, uh, the people that I'm acquainted with, they don't have their own plane, but their best friends do. So they go with them. They go and they experience this un- unbelievable event. And as they're coming back, as they're getting off their plane, the, uh, the, the husband, the one that owns the plane, right, the, uh, that, that couple, he turns to his wife and he says, I'm sure glad that we have rich friends so we get to go do cool stuff like that. And just in case it's, it's, it's not clear, what, he, what he's meaning is we're not rich, but I'm glad we know rich people. This is a guy that is getting off his own airplane. I'm glad I know somebody that's rich and that I'm friends with them. Okay? All right, now I want you to think about, uh, I bet I can guess your reaction to that story. I'm sure it's the same as mine. You think, that guy is crazy. How can, how can he think like that? How can he be blind? He is so rich. And I, I would like to think, I would at least like to think that if I were rich, I wouldn't think like that. Right? You think he's insanely rich and he's blind to it. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how the majority of the world's population, if they heard you and I talking about this story, what would they think? I looked it up. Apparently, 80% of the world lives below the poverty line. So do you realize that the vast majority of the world would look at you and I having that, like if we were just having this conversation, like that guy's crazy, would say, what are you talking about? Okay, so you don't have your own plane. You are unimaginably rich. When was the last time you worried about what you were going to eat, like that you were going to be able to eat? Or that you were going to have enough uh, clothes to put on? Or that you were going to have a place to sleep? Right? Do you, do you feel it? Right? Do you get it? That 
You see how easy it is to think, if I just had a little bit more. I'm not rich. That, I mean, that's rich. Right? You get it, that you and I are incredibly rich. It's dangerous. It's so deceptive. So what do we do with all this as we finish up? How do we think about money the right way? Uh, Not only think about it the right way, what would motivate us not just to think about money the right way, but but actually do things that are apparently wise, like honor God with it and, and maybe give it away? And the answer is what we say and see every week. It's the gospel. It's the good news the good news of what God has done for us. And what's he done? We're going to end with this. These, these last thoughts about what God has done. But you see, the Bible doesn't just talk about wealth and money uh, in, in terms of, of humans having it. It actually also talks about God's riches as well. Um, it talks about God's treasure. Deuteronomy 4.20 says, But the Lord has taken you, he's talking about his people Israel, his people, has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. You see, God says his people are his inheritance. God's people are his treasure. What he finds value in. And what does he have to do to get that inheritance? Because, right, I think you're, certainly you see that we're people that, we're the kind of people that love to keep money. I love to find my security in my stuff and in my money and not God. I would rather trust in that than him. And so what does he have to do to get his inheritance? He has to buy us back. Listen to, you've probably heard this verse, but listen to John 3.16. For God so so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right, God, the infinitely wise one. He didn't keep like we like to do. He gave. He gave his son Jesus to save us. To, to live and die in our place, to buy us back. And, and as for Jesus, what about him? Listen to 1 Corinthians 8, uh, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus gave up himself. He laid down all the richness, all the glory of heaven, all the resource. He laid it down. And he did it to buy us back because he loves us. He loves you. But what an amazing truth that is. That what the thing that God looks at and makes him feel makes him feel rich. It's you. That's what makes God feel rich. It's an amazing truth. And that's the only thing, right? The more that we believe that, and the more that gets down into our bones, that's going to be the only thing that's going to root out our love for money. And we're going to be able to find our security in Him. 
And we're going to be able to we're going to be able to look at our money for what it is. And we're going to be able to give it away. Because it's just money. And we've got everything we need in Christ. And that's the good news. That's the good news that's offered to us. It's offered to you tonight for free. Uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we are grateful that you gave. And that you continue to give. Forgive us for our keeping for the wrong ways in which we think about you and our money. Father, help us to see your grace and your mercy in Christ. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.